First Peter chapter number three, and we'll start reading in verse thirteen. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." Well, Peter, in starting in verse number 9, or verse number 10 um, of chapter number 3, goes back to Psalm 34. We looked at that last week, that, that Peter was quoting David's psalm. And though David in Psalm 34 was anointed to be the king, he lived under an unjust and cruel reign of Saul. David submitted unto the Lord. David loved God. He loved the law of God. He loved the people of God. And yet all these terrible things uh, happened to him under the reign of an ungodly king. And through all this, David submitted unto the Lord. And he submitted unto the providence of God. And he didn't rebel against Saul. And, in fact, was very adamant. His people would say, well, you got him now. You got Saul. Let's take him out. He said, no, we're not going to touch uh, the king. That's the, the Lord put him in power. And he submitted unto the providence of God. When he was on the run from Saul, he was um, in the, the context of verse 30, or chapter 30, Psalm 34. He was embarrassed by Abimelech. David magnified the Lord there in that cave, praising the Lord for his kindness and his mercy and his deliverance and encouraged those that were there with him who hitched their wagons to David in the cave to also praise God. He trusted in the God who redeems. He clung to the God who hears prayers, the God who will not forsake his people. So God's people are blessed when we're called to suffer for Christ's namesake, as Peter also tells us. Peter knew this from experience. Acts 5.41 says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Peter knew this from experience, that it is blessed for those who suffer for righteousness' sake. Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. Peter's not writing about something theoretical, but he experienced this. But he also knew this truth from Scripture. If we follow Christ and suffer for it, happy are ye. Psalm 34, 8 said, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And then in our text, verse 14, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. You're blessed. So Peter 
quoted Psalm 34, but it was also bringing up those things of that if you are following the Lord, taste and see that he is good despite um, bad circumstances. Those that trust in him uh, will be blessed. Peter says, sanctify the Lord and God in your hearts in verse 15. David in Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Peter says that we are to sanctify the Lord in these trying times under, the, under persecution, under a bad government. David, while living in such a time, said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. They might say, David, how can you praise God? How can you praise God in such a time as this? You're hiding out in a cave. We're on the run. We're, we're being chased out of our own country. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Well, we, like Peter, verse 15, the latter part, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth him. O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to him that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David, how can you trust in the Lord? Um, how can you have such confidence? And he says, come and I'll teach you. Peter says, be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. How can you Christians remain calm when it seems like the world is, is falling apart? How can you not, uh, not be worried about what's going to happen in the election or what's going to happen um, with the economy or what's going to happen um, in a war, will there be war, will there not be war? How can you, how can you have a peace about you? How can you not get caught up in all that's going on in the culture? How can you not um, go along with that and just have peace uh, about you in this time? How can you suffer for righteousness sake and not rise up like all the others who will rise up whenever something bad happens? Well, come, you children, hearken unto me and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. David most likely was asked these questions. And in the psalm, he said, come here and I'll tell you why. Peter says, Whenever we are following the Lord in this way, people will ask you. Because that's what verse 15 says. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks. The reason for the hope that is in you. So there we find that it is by the hope that we have and the life that we live and the peace that we have in this hope that people will see that there is something different. There's something that you have that they don't have and they'll be curious. Well, how is it that you can have this hope? How is it that you can have this peace? So Peter is drawing from the Old Testament um, these, these themes and bringing them to us here. And, and under, by the inspiration of God, we see how that also these, these same things apply to us. And we see this pattern repeating itself throughout Scripture where God's people live under um, perhaps a, a regime or a time or a system, we might say, of, of hostile uh, hostility towards God's people. You don't get very far into the Bible where you find uh, the seed of the devil 
the worldly Cain murdering Abel, God's people. You see persecution from the very beginning. And you see it with Joseph, who's persecuted uh, by his own brethren. And then the children of Israel persecuted by Pharaoh. And then just on, and here's David persecuted uh, by Saul. So it's a pattern. You see itself repeating over and over. What you also see in this pattern repeated over and over is that God is ever faithful to his people. We'll be preaching tonight um, from the theme, the fear not nor be troubled, that um, we, we read there at the end of verse 14. Don't be afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Well, that's a quotation also from Isaiah chapter number 8. And so what I want to do tonight is go back to Isaiah chapter 8, look from which what uh, Peter quoted. And I hope what we saw how Peter quoted from David, and then the, the whole context of that song comes forward um, in what he was saying. And I think the same thing can be said for Isaiah chapter number 8. Because there's even though there's just a fragment of a sentence that Peter quoted, the, the context of chapter number 8, we see it applies in the, the same principles. Um, that this is to encourage God's people not to fear man in troublesome times, but trust God. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 8, verse number 5. The Lord spake also unto me again, saying, For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh, that go softly, and rejoice in resin, Remelah's son, now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria, and all his glory. And he shall come up over his channels and go over his banks, and he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over, and he shall reach even to the neck, the stretching out of his wings, and shall feel the breath of my land. O Emmanuel. So, the Assyrian army here is compared like a flood. And so here these floodwaters are coming in over the land. It's going to pass through Judah. It's going to jump the banks, and the water is rising. And so this water is the Assyrian army, and the water is rising and it's going up, and it's past the ankles, and it's past the knees, and it's up to the elbows, and it's, it's coming up to the necks. It's, it's covered the breath of Emmanuel's land. Associate yourselves, O you people, and you shall be broken into pieces. Give ear, all you far countries. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. But as try, try as they may, the wicked will not thwart Emmanuel's plan. Now, they'll come in and cover Emmanuel's land, but they will not stop his plan. The plans of the wicked fail. They can associate, they can make confederacies, they can make alliances, they can come through in secret councils, and they can have all these things that they're going to do, and they can plan, and they can um, scheme, back backroom deals, and all sorts of things. Take counsel together, but it shall come to naught. Come against Emmanuel's land, and you'll be broken. Gird yourself up for battle. Come far and near. Arm yourselves and be broken. Be shattered to pieces. 
verse number 9. So at first we read, while wow, this Assyrian army is going to destroy God's people, but we find that their plans will fail because they cannot, um, despite their power and their plans, they cannot overthrow God's, uh, they cannot overthrow God. Make your plans, your stratagems, they'll all come to nothing. You're going to be frustrated fighting against the Lord. Speak the word, and it won't happen. Declare your plans, and it's going to fail. So the wicked may be powerful, they may have great numbers, but God won't be outsmarted or outplayed. We're talking about Judah. We're not talking about the whole nation of Israel. We're talking about Judah. Jerusalem and the surrounding area, a small place. And here you have Assyria, the most powerful nation in the world. And they're going to come down, but God, um, God will not allow their plans to come to fruition. The plans of the wicked fail because God is with us. And that's what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God with us. And that's why in the book of Matthew, whenever Jesus is born, um, what what does Matthew tell us? That he is Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. And so God is with us. That is the hope God's people have. In fact, that was a sign in the previous chapter, verse 14. Um, Ask a sign, Ahaz said, and he um, or God said to Ahaz, ask for a sign. He said, I won't do it. And he said, um, is it a small thing for me to weary men? But you will weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. The evidence that God would keep his word, the sign that God is faithful to his promises, the sign that God is with his people, will be that the virgin will bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel. That from the the virgin will come God with us. And that was the hope of Isaiah. That was the hope of the people of God. That is our hope. That is our confidence. Emmanuel. God with us. And you know, I was talking about the patterns earlier. Well, that that that's a pattern that you find throughout um, the scripture as well. In Joshua chapter number one. In verse number 5, Joshua um, taking over for Moses. Moses is dead. He's going to take a whole nation of people into the, the promised land. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What's the plan, or what's the, the hope? Why should Joshua have courage to go against the Canaanites, to, to, to lead a people notorious for rebellion, to take a, a people who've been wandering in the wilderness for decades in, uh, to, to fight armies who have already uh, or have their cities and their towns and their fortresses. Well, it's God is with him. His courage, his confidence, his hope is that God will remain with him. Um, that's the hope against the enemies of God in Deuteronomy chapter number 20. I guess we could have started with this one. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse number 1. <clears throat> when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots, and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, 
which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and shall be with when you are come nigh into battle, that the priests shall approach and speak unto the people, and so forth. But what was their hope when facing insurmountable odds? When it looks like there's no way out, they're facing um, the chariots and the horses and the armies and, 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 and giants and, and all these terrible odds that they have to go up against. When the enemies of the soul was gathered around, who do we trust? God with us. That is our confidence, that God himself is with us. At the dedication of the temple. What was, what was it that the saints could trust that, that God received their sacrifice? What was the reason they could be confident when they offered the animals that God would uh, receive them? Well, in 1 Kings 8, uh, it says, The Lord God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. So as Solomon um, tells the people and encourages the people um, to, to have confidence and assurance and hope in what? Not their works, not their strength, not their goodness, but the goodness and the covenant faithfulness of Jehovah. God is with us. And this is not just for the heroes of the saints of the Old Testament. Sometimes people say, well, that's Old Testament promises that has nothing to do with us. But as Peter is showing us, it has everything to do with us. That these principles and these patterns and promises of God's faithfulness are repeated over and over and over. What did Jesus say at the Great Commission? He says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. How can we go out into the world with the assurance that we are serving God? How can we meet and know that, that we, can, uh, we can worship God in the way that he would have us? Well, he promised he would be with us. And he would not leave us nor forsake us. How can we come and know that we're doing what God would have us to do? Well, we have the text of scripture here. And the promises of Jesus that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. How can we persevere under pressures and hardships? How can we continue to, to cling to the promises of the Lord and trust in his word when all the opposition of, the wor of worldliness is, is opposed to what we believe and what the Bible teaches? That uh, society says that what we have is an outdated, um, an outdated book. That the, the ethics that are taught in the scripture are, are not the the are not moral, that even the scriptures themselves, they say, are immoral. How can we continue on under these pressures and hardships? Well, the Lord said he would never leave us. Trust in God with us. How can we do what was right and face the face perhaps persecution that comes with standing for the truth? Well, God is with us. That is the promise that God has made to his new covenant people. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That echoes through the scriptures from front to back. That the hope of God's people in their suffering, in their trials, in their heartaches, in their, in their pain, in their fear, in, in persecution and tribulation, is to trust in the God who is with us. Because he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. He will never cast us aside. We can trust um, 
and have courage that God is for us in Jesus and he will never leave us. God does not forsake his covenant people ever. So we need not fear even in troublesome times because God is with us. What shall we say then? Romans 8.31 If God be for us, who can be against us? Because God is with us, because Emmanuel is with us, we can be confident in our salvation. Because God is with us, born of a virgin, the word made flesh, bearing our sins and dying on the cross for us, and rising from the dead, he is with us. And who shall we fear? Who can be against us? What enemy is there that can overtake us? Who, do we, who, can we, who should we be afraid of? If God is with us, name one enemy that we can fear. Didn't have to fear the Assyrians. They didn't have to fear Goliath. They didn't have to fear the Philistines. Didn't have to fear Saul. Didn't have to fear Pharaoh. If God is with us, who can be against us? Emmanuel's blood has cleansed us and his righteousness covers us. Emmanuel's heel crushed the head of the serpent. And Emmanuel overcame death and is with us. God is with us. Be not afraid. Be not anxious. God is with us and the plans of the unrighteous shall not prosper. And as the enemies of God attack the people of the Lord, as the scriptures tell us happens, and even Peter says we ought not to be I'm surprised when these things happen as if some strange thing is happening to us. The remnant of God's people here upon the earth need not be afraid. Well, we say, we might think, well, who are these people? Isaiah is talking about if God is with us. Who's the us? Because if you read why Assyria is coming to surround them, it's because of the sins of the people uh, of Judah, the sins of of Israel, the sins of Judah, um, have have brought this judgment upon them. Israel has forsaken the Lord. Judah has abandoned Jehovah. King Ahaz forsook the Lord. So, if God is with us, who who's the us here? Well, the, it's the remnant. There is a, not a nation of people who trust in the Lord, but there is a remnant of believers who still trust in the Lord, despite the direction the priests have gone, and despite the direction of the, the preachers have gone, and the nation as a whole, there were still those who trusted in the Lord God. A small, insignificant group of people who have not forsaken the way, that God, by his grace and by his mercy, had born again and um, kept and protected, and he will not leave his people. Even though the whole nation had forsaken, God was with his people. They're comforted because he is with them. When the leaders of the nations are cast aside, God's people trust in him. When the leaders left the way of Jehovah, in order to follow the security of the world and make confederacies and plans and, 
and allegiances with the ungodly God's people trusted in the Lord. They reaped the judgment as their saviors because they were no deliverers of all. But the elect looked unto Jehovah by faith and received the true Savior and kept and protected. In verse number 11 of Isaiah 8, it says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. So the Lord spake. That's the grounds for our obedience. That's the grounds for our confidence. The Lord spake. When we're, in a, when we're the outcasts, and we're, as Peter said, the strangers and the pilgrims in this world, and there's open hostilities to our Lord God, we're a remnant in, in a land opposed to Jesus. And the Lord said, don't walk with the others, Isaiah. And, and God spoke with a strong hand, not a faint whisper, not the unconfident mutterings of, of men, but a strong hand and power and authority. And Isaiah received from the Lord how the people were to, to walk in this, in this time. That they would be protected by the strong hand of God. So it's much better to be protected by the strong arm of the Lord rather than be crushed underneath it. And so, how could Isaiah have peace in this time? Isaiah is going to have to boldly denounce the king and the policies of the nation. He's going to have to go against those in power. He's going to have to go against those in authority. And how, how well do you think that's going to go? Well, leaders in our day are not any different than leaders in Isaiah's day. That people in authority don't like to be um, disobeyed and they don't like to be told that they're wrong. And just like today, people who are elected officials or, or whatever, they don't like to be told they're wrong. Or they don't like to be told that they're doing something wrong. They, they like to have unfettered power and authority. And, and, and that's just human nature. And so when Isaiah has to go and tell the people that he is, um, that the, the king is wrong and the policies are wrong and the nation is wrong and the priests are in the wrong direction, he's going to have to have courage. How can he walk with unshaken confidence in such a minority? Well, he receives strength from God's word. God is with him. So the Lord instructed Isaiah not to talk like the others and not to walk like the others. Don't go along with the conventional politics of of Judah, because they were all saying, well, just make a confederacy with Assyria. They're the most powerful group. Become allies with them. Everything will work out fine. The priests were probably making the same case, twisting the scriptures to justify this alliance. I read about in World War I where a lot of the priests and the preachers over in Europe were, were um, getting into politics and urging young men to go and fight God's battle in World War I. And, and what happened is there was so, many, so much slaughter and so much death and so many families lost their young sons and, and men came back maimed from battle that um, 
they they never went back to church after that, at least to the ones uh, that encouraged them to go to war because they got into politics. Instead of preaching the gospel, instead of preaching the word of God, they got into to, to politics and and uh, were, were leading people not to trust in the Lord, but to trust in, uh, in the government. So God told Isaiah, just stick to the word. Stick to the word and the strong arm of the Lord and be not afraid. The Lord instructed Isaiah not to be afraid like the other people were. The fear of man led Ahaz to forsake God. If you read back in the previous chapters, he was afraid of man. And so he was not afraid of God. God commanded Isaiah not to be afraid of men. The fear of a man is a snare. That's that's something very important. Whenever you live in troublesome times. Opposition is not to be afraid of what men can do. You have to be able to be you have to be able to be laughed at and you have to have thick skin and not care if people um, make fun or people get hostile. You have to fear God rather than fear man. Now the reason the Lord instructs Isaiah to do this is because this is not a simple thing to do. Paul prays that he would have courage in, in, in the New Testament. That this is not something you're just born with. This is something that God, uh, what we need God to give us grace and strength to do. To fear God rather than man. To not care what people think and not care what people might say in the sense that it will make us alter what we believe and, and what we think is, know is right. That doesn't mean you don't care that, what, that people might have an opinion about you. It is that you don't let, when I say you don't care, I mean you don't let their opinion alter what you know to be right. One thing that, um, one thing that, about our nation at this time is that people will change their mind on moral and ethical issues based upon um, polls and popularity. And they'll say, well, the majority of the people agree with this. I don't want to go against the majority. Or my family uh, believes this now, and I don't want to go against my family. Well, that's fearing man. That's saying, I don't agree with this, but, but man uh, tells me that, that this is the right path, and I don't want to displease them, so I'm going to alter my thoughts and my actions and my beliefs to go along with what these other people are telling me to do. That is the fear of man. Well, we are to fear the Lord. That means that we are to alter our thoughts and our hearts and our actions to what God tells us to do. We don't want to alter. So the fear of man is not being afraid like you're afraid of a, uh, a vampire or a zombie or something. It's not that kind of being afraid. It is altering your thoughts and your actions to do what someone else tells you to do. So if you fear man, you will not do what you believe to be right, but you'll do what you're told by someone else under threat of, of judgment or being you know, ostracized or whatever. So to fear God is to do what God wants you to do. 
regardless of the consequences. So when Ahaz and his people were told that the force was coming against them, it says in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 2, <clears throat> and it was told the house of David in Syria is confederate with Ephraim, and his heart was moved, and the heart of his people as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. You go outside at night and the wind starts blowing. You hear those leaves rustling in the woods. That, that's what their hearts were like. Their, their knees were knocking. They were, they were afraid. And so they were afraid. We don't want judgment. We don't want these people to, be, to destroy us. We don't want uh, these people to come and take us. So we'll do whatever it takes. But this doesn't happen. But God's people stand with a confidence that they'll trust in God's promises because despite the circumstances, despite how bad it looks, God is with them. So, now, we'll pause here and go back to think what we read in our text. Peter said, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. So this is what um, Peter is quoting. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Despite the numbers, despite the outlook of the land, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back from following Christ. Don't shrink back from serving the Lord. Don't, don't look out and say, well, the whole world is against me or, or everything is going going in the, the wrong direction, um, I might lose my job, I might lose my, uh, you know, my, my status or whatever. I might, I might make my friends mad. I have to, I have to do something. I have to, to, to go with the majority. When in history has it ever worked out for somebody to forsake the Lord? We've had this pattern. Cain and Abel. Joseph and his brethren, Israel and Pharaoh, David and the Philistines, David and Saul. Now, you see the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations. When has it ever worked out for God's people to forsake the Lord in a time of trouble and say, you know what, I think it's better that we, we not listen to God in this situation because it's just too rough. Did it work out for Peter and the disciples? No. Trust the Lord. Don't be afraid. Trust in the God who doesn't forsake. Trust in the God who won't leave his people. So Peter says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Or sanctify the Lord, uh, Peter says, but in verse 13 of our text, Isaiah said, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Not, don't be fearless, but fear God rather than men. Sanctify the Lord. Sanctify Jehovah himself. Now, God is holy. We don't have to make God holy. But how do we lift up the Lord in our hearts? So, so where he says, sanctify the Lord. Peter says, or David said, magnify the Lord. Right? David in Psalm 34, magnify the Lord. Well, the Lord is omniscient. How do, you make, how do you make the 
eternal any bigger? Well, you, we magnify him in our hearts. Well, how do we sanctify the Lord? Well, we, we, in our mind, in our thinking, in our hearts, we sanctify the Lord. We lift him up as holy. So how can we stand up in the evil generation and not go along with the world? Sanctify the Lord in our hearts. Sanctify the Lord. So there in Isaiah, it's in all capital letters. Sanctify Jehovah. Now, what does Peter do in 1 Peter chapter 3? He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they may speak evil of as evildoers, they may be ashamed that they falsify your good conversation in Christ. So Peter's talking to these scattered strangers, um, persecuted, under the fire for their faith, living in the Roman government, um, ostracized by friends and family, kicked out of the synagogues or kicked out of their, their places of worship among the Gentiles, being unfairly treated by the world, having bad bosses who, who uh, pick on them because they're Christians and living under a, a bad government that pick on them because they're Christians. And you had the, the wife living with an unbelieving husband and, or one that doesn't obey the Lord and perhaps vice versa with the husband. What are we to do? Sanctify the Lord of hosts. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Peter instructs the churches living in an ungodly world to sanctify the Lord, to fear him, to lift him up as holy. But when God is big, when God is holy in our minds, the world becomes very small and petty. Whenever we lift the Lord up and we magnify the Almighty in our hearts and minds, the people in power become very small. And what happens is whenever we lift man up and make man really big, we forget about the things of God and we make man bigger than God. And then we get afraid. But when we go to the scriptures, we listen to the word of God, as Isaiah says, we lift the Lord up. We are reminded through the word preached and the word read and the fellowship of the saints and the songs and the hymns and the prayers that, that God will not leave us. The Almighty will not forsake us. And so we're ready to give an answer when we're asked. We don't go along with the world. Why? Because my God will not leave me or forsake me. Why don't you go along with this? Because God is with me. So Peter applies this text of Isaiah to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Isaiah says... In verse 14, and he shall be a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both house of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and snared and be taken up. So what will the people do? Well, Jehovah will be the sanctuary. He will be the place. Rather than man making a place for God, God comes and is the holy place. But the holy place is not welcome in this world. But Emmanuel, God is with us. He is our sanctuary. God is our, is our rock. And so that probably reminds you of 1 Peter 2. 
For ye, um, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which dis- are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same has become, or has made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were also appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should show forth praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God is with us. God is our, our refuge. He is our, the chief cornerstone. We have been called from the darkness of this world into his marvelous light. We used to not be the people of God. We would have been with the Assyrians. We would have been with the Gentiles. We would have been with the unbelievers. But God in his mercy called us out of darkness. And not to a temple made with hands, but unto this living stone. He is our strength, our refuge, our confidence, our hope, our salvation, our redeemer. But unto the wicked, he is their judge, their stumbling block, their offense, and their rock of judgment. So Peter calls God's people now, not to be afraid, but to remember the God that we worship. Why do you all continue on to go to church and read your Bible? Well, we can be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Because God is with us. All you, you people out there, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, you, that they may be ashamed falsely. They accuse your good look works in conversation in Christ. Don't be afraid. This has happened before. Over and over and over again, it's happened. Generation after generation after generation has happened. In every generation, God's people have the same call, don't fear man, fear the Lord. Why fear man when Christ Jesus is on our side? Why fear what man can do when Christ died and rose again and secured our eternal life? We have a living hope in the living stone, the living Savior. Why fear what man can do who will die and be forgotten when the Lord we serve rose from the dead? Sanctify the Lord. Lift him up. Magnify the Lord. Know that we are in a long line of God's people, God's elect, who have been kept and protected And God has been faithful to them. A great cloud of witnesses is ever before us, showing us that God is faithful to his word, that he will not leave you, he will not forsake you. Trust in him and rest in his his, uh, promises. 
and have confidence in troublesome times. Because even if we do suffer for, for doing well, we know that Christ suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh by the Spirit.